BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club. We are here with your March episode. Hey, girls, how are you doing? How you doing? Hey. How's everyone doing? Why does it feel like it's been forever since we recorded? Feels like it's been two. Okay. Who's going to go? On wow, it, it must have been forever because we forgot how to we how forgot to the orchestra of the redheads. I like the floor. It has been forever and I I don't know why. I feel like were we just in a, a cadence? No, oh. because well, because we did two in January, but also it should not feel as long because February was shorter. Right. Wacky. Wacky Jackie. I guess it was just a long month. Like it felt like a long month. I guess I just really miss my gals. Yeah. I think it's because we did back to back Claudia book. Real book. Claudia birthday. Not Claudia birthday. Claudia book launch. What my birthday. Say? What is happening? Claudia book Claudia book launch. My birthday. Back to back redheads. Like we had a lot in January. I am right. here to tell you that's exactly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I no. don't think that's what happened. I guess it just feels longer than it's been because we yeah, just miss each other. Sometimes like that just happens. Like there's no reason. It just feels like it's been a long time. It feels like it's been a long time, and I'm really excited to be with you all once again. I'm really excited to talk about this book. This month we read The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, a Becky's Choice. Hey. And there is so much to talk about. I think it's the longest book we've read so far. So I think we just need to jump right in. Is what it really think? the longest book we've read so far? Amongst. Codename Helene was really long, mm-hmm. but this was a very long book. Interesting because I read it quickly. I read it pretty quickly too because I found it to be so engrossing. So before everyone spoils their opinions on it, I want to know what everyone thought. Let's start with Becky as it was your choice. Here's the thing. The thing is I had really high expectations going into this book because Kristen Hanna is one of my favorite authors. As we know, she wrote The Nightingale, which is near and dear to my heart. I love historical fiction. I was really excited about the content because... We don't typically find ourselves speaking about the Dust Bowl all that often, and Mm -hmm. it just felt good to get back to our roots, kind of. (laughs) And so I had very high expectations going in, which is always a dangerous road to go down. I thought it was going to be one thing. It turned out being something else. Like, the plot was very straightforward, you know? Mm -hmm. I was expecting a lot of twists and turns, and I mean, like, how was she going to get to California, this and that? So I felt like the content was a little monotonous at times and we really got into the thick of it, which was hard for me. I was, I was like ready to move on at times, but by the end it was such a page turner. I couldn't put it down and I ended up really, really liking it, but it was absolutely different than I expected. And I think that's not a bad thing. The end. Yeah. I feel that Dana. I echo that. It was no Nightingale. It was no The Great Alone, which she also wrote, but I really, really enjoyed it. It gave me this sense of like overwhelming gratitude that we were not alive during the Great Depression. Like mm-hmm. the whole time I was reading it, I was just, just like gripped with fear and anxiety for them. And I can't believe that like Americans really went through all of that. Yeah. And really not that long ago. Yeah. You know, and it's a crazy thing to think about, even like the fact that they had a car but they could no longer use it because they couldn't afford gas. So they were using like a horse drawn carriage. And so it was like in this time that's like bridging like, you know, the 1800s in the modern era and it's like they had some of the technology that we're used to but they couldn't even access it so I feel like it's even more accessible to think about it in that way where it's like think of some of these modern conveniences like imagine if you didn't even have the capability for wi-fi or whatever it is you know it's like just because you have something doesn't mean that you'll have it forever like they had a car but they couldn't listen to the radio (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah snitch what did you think I feel like an asshole because I I fucking hated this book. <laughs> it was just everything that I hated. Like, 
I like to read books that make me feel happy and lovey and just make me feel good inside. Mm-hmm. And this book just didn't do that for me. But I feel like an asshole because it's like, it's not like it's based off of a true story, but like I'm sure that this happened to somebody, you know? Yes. And like that makes me feel like a dick because <laughs> I feel like I should feel like more empathy and more compassionate. But like, I like, I hate read this book. Like every yeah. page I was just like, is it, is it closer to the end? Are we almost done? I will say that last chapter, it was fabulous. But besides that, like, I was just like, I was just, I, I crave goodness when I'm reading a book. So mm-hmm. every time it was a new chapter, I was like, okay, they're going to get it. Yeah. Something's going to happen. They're going to strike gold, like blah, blah. And it just never happened. It was just so depressing. And like, life is already depressing. I like just did not need to read a depressing book. It was yes. really depressing. It was, it was really depressing. greatly depressing because yes. it was the great depression. <laughs> I understand how you feel. I think that's a fair assessment. And I also think there are going to be people in the book club who read this book with us who didn't like it. So once again, you're speaking for them. And I think, I think that that's important. I personally really liked it. I agree with Rebecca that it's not necessarily what I thought it was going to be because I was like, okay, it's a Kristen Hanna historical fiction. Obviously, the Dust Bowl, the Great Depression is a very depressing era, but I thought at some point we would see our, our way out of it and we never did. But I feel like the feelings that we felt all along the way of just like this constant like monotonous doom and gloom really, it, it came as close to as we could have possibly felt to feel like them in it Mm -hmm. so I feel like she really achieved or I really felt like immersed in this book when I was reading it I read the bulk of it on Sunday and like the entire day I was just like my mind was in this book you know like I just felt I couldn't escape it and so I really liked how it like completely engrossed me obviously it was really difficult and not a happy book or a funny book but I didn't really know that much about the Dust Bowl before so I feel like I learned a lot and have a new outlook on you know what happened at that time I feel like that's a sign of a good book like it can incite an emotion in you even if that emotion is depression yeah the fact that you can lose yourself in it is a sign of a good one yeah and it's like while we're reading it's like yeah okay we want them to be happy again but it's like imagine how people in the great depression felt living through it like year after year waiting for rain and yeah they want to be happy again waiting for rain in this drought waiting for rain in this drought they want to be happy again too so what if it's two days in my life of reading a sad book versus like (laughs) 10 years for them. That wasn't necessarily the problem that I had with it. It wasn't that it was a sad book. Like I can get through content if it's not bright and cheery, but it, it just felt sometimes like the details were belabored and we were reading and rereading and rereading like the same. And perhaps that was Chris and Hannah's intention to like to really get us in the thick of it. I just thought that as a consumer of a novel, it wasn't like the way to get me like so um, like, oh, like this is the best book ever. I think that you can still achieve your getting your message across to readers while making it engrossing and and like, oh, wow, this is like a really good read. I just didn't, it didn't click for me. Am I making sense? No, you're 100% right. Like even the points that weren't supposed to be so depressing when she was talking about how the daughter Loretta was always commiserating with the father about their dreams. I feel like I read that sentence 500 times. Like, and now they're on the windmill well, talking about their dreams. And now they're on the grass talking about their dreams. And now they're on the dirt <laughs> talking about their dreams. It's like, all right, like let's the, switch up the dialogue here. Maybe those... she's really wanting you to feel how much they dreamt of a better yeah. life. Like you're getting exhausted by it. Imagine how they felt. No, it was certainly an effective literary <laughs> device for inundating you with how they were feeling. But I agree with you, Rit, that like, there were points where I was ready to move on, not because it was so depressing, but because I was bored. I feel that. Those chapters where Loretta was the fucking worst. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm not reading this book. Like, Elsa could not. Is that her name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Frozen. Um, couldn't love her more. And she's just so ungrateful. It made me so mad. I was like, wake up, sis. Like, you don't know how good you have it. Like, in that realm. In the things. beginning, before I really knew where the book was going, where we hear from Elsa as a teen and then it 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 switches to um present day and it's like to get into her mindset and know how she felt about herself and I felt like I totally understood her and then to see her from her daughter's point of view where it's like how she looks to the rest of the world given all the things that are going on in her head I feel like Kristen Hannah did a really good job of achieving like it's like what you think you look like versus what you yes yes but it's like what Elsa was to Loretta was like it was just a the way that Elsa like overthink 
overthinked everything. So like she like pulled back because she like thought that Loretta like hated her or whatever. But then to Loretta, she's like she's disappearing. Yeah, which I just thought was hella interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that was a really interesting dynamic in the beginning that I appreciated. And then the book just like I, I almost I would have forgotten about that if we didn't do a book club about how yes. I felt in the beginning, like the red dress TBT. Oh my god, the red dress. The beginning and the end. Like the those were really two different books. I think the fifty percent mark became a different book. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. The red dress is the red silk dress that she made herself. Oh, that was so sad. And they were like, Oh, you're here for your prettier sisters with this silk? Yeah. I had a very hard time imagining what Elsa looked like. I, I feel like we didn't get descriptions. She was very tall. She was very tall. tall that I knew. Thin, blonde, blue eyes. And apparently ugly, except every time she went to tell someone she was ugly, like, she cut them off while they were trying to tell her that she's not. I mean, yeah. the, the description, she sounds like a supermodel. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. she's, she's just, like, a willowy, blonde, like, tall, bony lady. No, that's I'm like, always, You're like, stunning. models are like, when I was growing up, I was so skinny and so tall, and everybody bullied me. It's like, <laughs> sure. Also, why? You know what I thought was weird? <laughs> what I thought was strange was that we never heard from Rafe again. That is something we're going to get into. Yeah. We got so many redhead questions. The redheads want closure. Yeah, we didn't get this, that. And we're going to get into that. And I promise we will talk We will talk through it all. Because I feel differently than you. I, I was glad to never hear about No, but like even at the end him. when she's going to college. Bye. Did you ever hear from your dad again? Did he survive the Great Depression? Did he die? Not her problem. The redheads thought the same thing, Snitch. Definitely her problem. It's they, her father. They did think the same thing. Okay, let's get into our DBQs. Before we do, I'm just going to do a quick summary of the book for anyone who didn't read it. This book is about our protagonist, well, two women really, Elsa and her daughter Loretta. They are living in um, Texas during the Dust Bowl. So it starts it starts in the 1920s while Elsa's a teen and then eventually moves into the 1930s when um, the Midwest becomes uninhabitable due to the dust bowl the farmland is just completely barren and after a few years of living in those conditions the family has to move out west because Elsa's youngest child aunt is getting um, dust pneumonia and the doctor said that he needs to move out so they didn't have a choice and I think that that's an important thing because I would if they had had a choice I would have said the entire time like they should have just stayed Mm -hmm. so it's important that they did not have a choice they go out to California you know the land of milk and honey they had seen and heard all of these things about California and it turns out that hundreds of thousands of people had the same idea that they did the people who are living in California really are just giving them no opportunities, like no respect, not even anything close to it. They wind up living in a camp with other migrants like themselves and are living, you know, working 12 hours a day, making 40 cents and just really, really struggling for many years. The book becomes about Elsa's will and bravery and taking being a mother and taking care of her kids and working hard. Um, it's a story of love, perseverance, courage, courage, strength strength and and will feminism feminism yes okay let's get into the questions these are the questions from Kristen Hanna's official website so if you don't like them talk to her (laughs) quote from the book hope is a coin I carry there were times in my journey well when it felt as if that penny and the hope it represented were the only things that kept me going what is the significance of the fact that this is an American penny? In what ways does hope anchor us in the moment? And in what ways does it push us forward? So I, two questions here. I, I think that the American part of that is interesting because it's like all these people living in the camps are like as American as you can get. Like farm, like working on the farm, like just like really love their country and like we're treated like outsiders and I just felt like that was just and they but they never let go of it and that was why it took so long for even Elsa to agree to take relief from the government because she was like no like we don't do that yeah so like I feel like their like patriotism of sorts was like so like interesting because like they were being treated like absolute garbage but she still held on to this like American penny because like to remember like her roots and where she came from yeah and to hold on to this idea and I think that's what where the hope also comes in I think obviously they had to hope it would rain they had hope things would get better they had hope that next time there would be a job but also like the hope that the American dream like would fulfill its own promise and I think eventually, at least in this book, they realize like, no, we're going to have to go out and make that happen for ourselves. Mm-hmm. In regards to hope, I am constantly finding myself coming into reoccurring contact with hope as just like a major theme in culture. Mm-hmm. Like 
some small examples. Orange is the New Black. Miss Claudette has this line where she's like, um, hope is a dangerous thing when she's about to get out of jail. In Shawshank Redemption, Andy talks about how hope is the most beautiful thing once they escape. The Hatikva, the national anthem of Israel, is called the hope. Like, I am just constantly inundated with hope as a theme. And I think it really speaks to just, like, the lifeline, the bloodline of the American condition, how hope is... Keeps you alive. It keeps you alive. It is the most dangerous thing, and it's also the most beautiful thing. And I think it really captured the book's heart and soul. Of how it, it when not, they had nothing else, all they could have was hope. Yeah, I think about that a lot too. The concept of hope and whether it's a positive or negative thing. And I like you know the myth of like Pandora's box mm-hmm. and like they open the box and like what's left in there is hope. And it's like, is it a pessimistic thing or a positive thing? Because like on the one hand, hope keeps you going, but on the other hand, it it's, could be false hope and like you're working for something or hoping for something mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. As opposed to like being realistic even distilling it down to it's gonna rain yeah it's eventually gonna rain if if they didn't have that hope they might have left sooner oh it's never gonna rain we should go 100 percent. so i think that hope is a double-edged sword and i think that where i ultimately land on it is like that it's a positive thing i think without hope it's hopeless so um but i do think of hope as an interesting concept as well i love just hope as a general theme yes that's beautiful dana (laughs) we're hopeful for you thank you Okay, next question. The stories of women have largely gone undocumented throughout history, and this era is no different. It is changing slowly, and women's courage and determination and victories are being brought to light. How are women's stories different? Why do you think they've gone unreported for so long? Do you think sharing these stories will make a difference to future generations? In At one point in the book, at, towards the end, I guess when Elsa was speaking to all of the um, field workers the cotton pickers and she was like you don't understand women wake up before sunrise and work until sunset or after sunset like we are the backbone of our families and we we do so much to carry our lives forward and it was such a an eye-opening point because we saw it all along but for her to bring it up and say it out loud and also like so often um, Mr. Welty would f- refer to like men in the field and everyone was like, hello, like there are so many women mm-hmm. here too. Like, yeah. it's not all about the men. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that a book like this is a, a step forward in the right direction of showcasing the strength of women during such a horrifying time in history when she was abandoned by a man. Mm-hmm. But even before that, she was the backbone of their workforce anyway. Like, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And Rose too. Rose, too. Oh, I loved Rose. The book did a good job, yeah, in highlighting how women were treated as inferior, but I loved how the women in the book kind of weaponized that to their advantage. Like, when Loretta stole the money at the end from the Mm -hmm. cashier, she wasn't even considered a suspect because a woman can never do that. Mm -hmm. She likewise was interrogated and because she was never considered as a threat to doing the protest. So, like, they took their invisibility and they used it to their advantage to, like, help the cause, which I liked. Yeah, I agree. And I think that Chris and Hannah, as an author, does a really good job of, like, telling women's Mm -hmm. stories and, like, you know, getting to the heart of, like, women's issues. Yeah. So, and I also felt that way about Codename Helene. And I feel like maybe that's something that, like, the the redheads are trailblazing. It's, like, women's stories throughout history because we love historical we love historical fiction and we actually only read books by women like (laughs) accidentally so like that's us the more that I think about Addie LaRue, the more I like that book, by yeah. the way. Uh-huh. I knew I, it's a book that would do that to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think about it often, actually. Yeah, and also good. because I've, I'm on Book Talk now. And Book TikTok. And, um, For the grannies. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And, like, everyone's, like, the books that they recommend in every single fucking video is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. No, the, that book is on every list. It's everywhere. And also, when I think of that book, I feel like I watched it as a movie. Yes. Yeah. And yes. Wow. I, like, see, I, I see it. I see, like, screens in my head. Yeah, Same. I see. That's weird. Anya Taylor-Joy with seven freckles. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh yeah, what I this see. is so weird. But sometimes when I can't sleep, I put myself in the mindset of after her really long walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, bridge when she finally got to take a bath in that luxurious apartment, and like it puts me to sleep. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's like super specific. It was just such a comforting image. That's nice. I'm into that. Okay, quote from the book. She wished she'd never read The Age of Innocence. What good came from all this unexpressed longing? She would never fall in love, never have a child of her own. Literature is like the opening of a door. 
Through that door, Elsa saw whole other lives and other futures. What books influenced you when you were growing up? Did any novel or character change your perception of either yourself or the world? Did you identify with Elsa and her journey throughout this book? The Click. <laughs> wow. The Click Sick. opened up a lot of um, ideals and, and worlds for me. Okay. Massey Block. That explains a lot, Counts. Doesn't it? It explains the treatment of the campers, 100%. Yeah. There was she, this, I didn't say it was good things, but she did, she did teach me stuff. I never read that. You sh- it's quality you, stuff. Dana, it's about eighth graders. Like, you can't read it. <laughs> now I can't. <laughs> you can't no. read it until you have a child in eighth grade. <laughs> and you and, read it to her. And you guys can do a book club. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Alice books, but it was a series by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor that I was obsessed with, and it was like my foray into reading. It was really like the first book that I books that I've read that I loved and I think that definitely like influenced my upbringing it was a cooler version of are you there god it's me Margaret mm, that yeah. was like the never actually read that book oh are you there god it's me Margaret that was impressionable like that was People like fucking li- Judy Bloom right yeah, yeah. Judy Bloom we should read a Judy Bloom book here. Oh my god. <laughs> we should I was gonna say to kill a mockingbird for me that was like where I felt like my moral compass started to develop and it just like Hmm. better understood the world. And like, I would like to reread it now that I actually have like a formed brain because (laughs) that was a really long time ago. But I remember even then it was like shocking. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a book like that. Honestly, I, I skipped every book that we like had to read for a reading. I never, yeah, I went out of my way to really like not read. I remember there's like a few summers where I read a lot. Like I read Anne of Green Gables, but like it didn't, shape who I am as a person the person who shaped who I am as a person is Hannah Montana and so I was too busy watching I'm aligned with that there's currently in the redheads Facebook group a request that we bring back some of like the classics the the classics yes Claudia and I were talking about this on the toast and it's an idea that I had floated by you guys and I'd always meant to do it but I really want to do it so I think I'll do that for my next choice guys like what though a classic. I don't know what I'll like, wind up choosing. I'm not reading To Kill a Mockingbird. Catcher in the Rye. No. Little oh. Women. Lord Catcher of in the, the Rye. Oh, my God. Guys, you but, want me to leave this The Giver. Counts. The Giver. What if you choose it? I do like Great Gatsby too. or something. We I could do love Great the Gatsby. Giver. I should have picked that. Yeah. That was the influential one. You ever yeah. read The Giver? No. Oh. I always thought of myself as The Giver because I like have I'm the memory and keeper. And like 1984. <laughs> Those books were crazy. Oh, I would pick 1984. Yeah. I would love to read one. I didn't already read but I guess Ender's Game do you guys remember Ender's Game no I didn't read that oh my god no but also I think it's also great to read something you are already read because I'm sure at that time like it's like watching a movie when you're older and you get all the jokes that's true you know all the crude humor (laughs) motherhood changes Elsa in almost every way what does she learn by becoming a mother what does she learn about motherhood from Rose how does motherhood strengthen a woman so motherhood is a huge theme in this book I think that Elsa, when she became a mother, like she learned all about the capacity for love and how infinite it is. But I also think that her relationship with Rose was so beautiful. I was sad that when they left, that that was something that was going to be severed. So I think that Kristen Hanna also does a really good job of writing about motherhood, but she kind of bothers me because she like thinks all teenagers are the devil. I just read Firefly Lane and the relationship between the mother and daughter in that book is the same as Loretta and Elsa and it's like is this what we have in store for teenagers like not all teenagers are like yes this. agreed I mean I think that all teenage the teenage rebellion I feel like no, it's but overgeneralization like, I, I agree and it's like I'm sure they become moody and I'm sure some teenagers are worse than others but I'm sure there are also teenagers like who are fine yeah yeah you know you were definitely not a disrespectful teenager mm. I don't I think like I had my moments but like I don't remember it like this. Does anyone else? I don't remember it like this. Well, I'm I really still don't. a moody teenager. That's oh yeah, true. you are. <laughs> you are. Snitch, were you a moody teen? For sure. Yeah, so you're still was, a teen. Yeah, you guys used to call me Stevgo. Yeah, we still do. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on motherhood as a theme? Well, maybe not motherhood in particular, but and we kind of touched upon this. I loved when her friend Jean from the camp eventually was like. I know that you're viewing yourself through the lens of all of your family who put you down, but like I'm also a mirror and I'm here to tell you Mm -hmm. that you're amazing and you're pretty. So like, let's get some new mindsets up in here. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Loretta during the years of teenage trouble? Like, were you totally out on her? Were you sympathetic towards her? No, I didn't feel one ounce of sympathy. No, me neither. I'm just like viewing it as a device to show us eventually how much she'll change. You know, I feel like it was just kind of in our face of like, look how nasty she is now. And just wait until the end of the book when you get to see her growth. Yeah. 
It made me resent Elsa a tiny bit, which is unfair, but I was like, stand up for yourself. Like you are a grown woman and you see what's happening and you can, you can reflect on your upbringing yourself and course correct. Like I just wish that you had a voice that you could use against your brat of a daughter. It made me hate Rafi. Yeah, he sucked. He like enabled it. And I feel like he didn't defend the mom when he was like, I made a wrong choice years ago. Like that was a nasty thing to say. Yeah. And And she's like, what's the wrong choice? You. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You You know, it's like if you boil it down, it's like Rafe didn't. I was called him Rafe in my head. He didn't have. Yeah. Is that not how it is? It probably is. Like, Well, it's Raphael and Rafe. I don't know. But what do you think about Rafe? Like I had no time for him. Like a man who could be so fucking selfish. Mm -hmm. And it's such a difficult time. And like, it's his parents who are there. Like he left Elsa with his family. I just, I was so glad to never hear from him again. I I didn't crave it. A few times in the beginning when they were going to Texas, I was like, oh, maybe they'll see him on the way there. But I'm like, it's a huge world. That's impossible. But I, I felt no, I, I, I felt no kind there was only him. one moment I liked him, and it's when uh, Elsa's dad drove her to their house and was like, Rafe, did you do this? And he immediately said yes. Like, not oh, for one second. Oh, he did second. the bare minimum? Yeah. Yeah, that but nice. I don't know. I kind of thought maybe there'd be a second of denial or, like, fear, but he was very quick to own it. Beyond that one very, very small moment, and I thought he was a weak loser and hated him. Yeah, he was weak. Yeah, and, like, when he was gone, I was like, good riddance. Obviously, nobody else felt like that, but I was, like, tired of hearing about him and his dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't accomplish your dreams when you could have. Like, now there's no dreams to be had right now. And whining, pulling on her, like, sleeve, being like, how are you so brave? And she's like, I'm just doing what I have to do for our kid. And he, oh, and then she's like, that was the wrong thing to say. Yeah. Blaming herself yeah. for his idiocy. Mm-hmm. How did Elsa and her family remain unbroken even while enduring crippling poverty, food and shelter insecurity, and living in a town that's hostile to them? Would they have fared better in Texas? I mean, after reading the book and like the fact that Loretta and Aunt wind up going back to Texas, of course I'm like, I wish they never left. And since Rose and Tony were able to survive, I'm sure that the rest of the family could have too, but Aunt couldn't have stayed. So they had to go. I just felt like the way that they all mentally and physically grappled with their situation like just speaks to the strength of each of them as characters Mm -hmm. you know and even though shirt like Loretta was a pain in the ass like how annoying would you be like I'm annoying when I haven't eaten for three hours (laughs) yeah interesting that I feel like we both feel very feel very adamantly that they should have stayed because I don't think that's a very popular opinion necessarily I think a lot of people would be like get out of there there is nothing left here I felt like they should have gotten out of there like when I was reading it, I was like, get out of there. Like it is. But would you, do you think that the situation that they encountered in California was worse than the situation they were in? Yes. So at that point, what should they, should they have done? I was like, go back. I, go, go back. back. <laughs> you, why did you leave? But at the time Not actually. that they were there, you thought they should But leave. while yeah. they were there, just anticipating water that was never coming, it was, I, there was no food left, which I have a question. How do they keep making like ricotta toast <laughs> and yes. gnocchi and pancetta and, and well, all they were getting oil. eggs from the chickens. They were getting milk from the cows. And they also, they were going to the store here and there. And they also had had that um, basement like, of, bunker yeah. full, full of food for years, but it was, it was depleted by the time that they left. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. That, that was like sometimes I was just a touch confused, but yeah, details. <laughs> semantics yeah okay what do jack and the communist union organizers offer the migrant workers and loretta in particular why is it a risk to associate with them and what is elsa's hesitation okay a big thing that came up in this book it was the communist aspect and apparently there are like critics of the book who say that it like glamour <clears throat> so emotional who say yeah. that it glamorizes communism um I want to talk about that as much as we can. And also, I think that the Jack and the Communist Union, like, represented it again, like, hope for Loretta. It's like, okay, this path that we're on is not working. Like, there is an alternate path. And it's just someone on your side. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I can stick up for myself. It's just like, it's anything other than what we're doing right Mm -hmm. now because what we're doing right now, like, is going to kill us. Yeah. But it also, like, I don't know, I just felt such danger when they were fraternizing with Jack because... 
what happens? You maybe, maybe get one day of a strike and then immediately return to your situation. Maybe worse off if you get kicked out of like the kind of nice surroundings you're in as opposed to the campgrounds. And I felt kind of dissatisfied when like they pulled off the strike two days in a row, but then she died and they went back to Texas. Like whatever happened. Yeah, I thought the same thing because it was like, I j- it was just like they were the underdogs so much that there was like no way that they were going to win sort yeah. of thing. So it's like, you and it's like it was dangerous like he like put all these thoughts in Elsa's head to like stand up for yourself and do this or whatever which was great but it got her killed yeah, and it wasn't like, like was he, that worth it like did they even yeah. get a raise no I, I it's, it doesn't yeah. we never heard anything so I feel like no she like got her picture in the paper that she was like a brave spokesperson but I agree was that worth it to die to worth like, her life yeah yeah like if, if something huge had come out of it like and yeah. her light like her loss of life like made such a huge change I, yeah, that makes sense. But I feel like nothing changed and it just seemed like a waste. And it was like it only happened to show that like she finally got that courage. But like it's a hard lesson. No, it's yeah. like the book started with her grandpa's advice, like be brave. And then the, she finally is brave. And like that's her journey. Yeah. I don't know. It was a little bit disappointing. And also just this idea that like in America, like you can be arrested and beat for mm-hmm. getting together and talking about ideas is crazy. It's scary. But you are right. Like, at a certain point, something has to give. If they continue lowering it to a penny a day, like, yeah, you do need communism or some form of faith to fight back. Or just, like, not a communism, but, yeah. like, a strike. Like, you yeah. need a protest. Or, yeah. A protest. Yeah, exactly. And all of those things are, like, so intrinsic to American values. That's what he said. He was like, protests are at the core of our American history. Yeah. The right yeah. together. Like, yeah. the right, freedom of speech, the right to organize. So, like, the fact that the, it was so scary to just talk to Jack is so un-American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Discuss the shift in thinking that happens between generations, the freedoms longed for and the sacrifices required. The greatest generation was shaped by the Great Depression and World War II. They willingly sacrificed for each other and did what they could to help. How is the modern world different? How do we face our own dark times? I mean, we're in dark times. Did you guys read her acknowledgments? Yeah. Like, and she, like, spoke about COVID? Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like everyone's super selfish now. And back then, they just weren't. I so agree with that. Mm -hmm. Ironically, there was so much more to be troubled by back then. And yet, to your point, I feel like everyone is so screwed up now because Mm -hmm. they lack kind of that motivation in or like war or Great Depression to ground them. So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I took a selfie and I'm ugly and now I have lower self-esteem and I'm spiraling and I need years of therapy. And it's like the Great Depression era would be like, you guys are insane. Like You have no idea what we went through, but it's kind of... Uh, it's a luxury to be able to worry about the things that we worry about Mm -hmm. and I agree I think that given I don't know the way things have happened or the fact that our generation has never really suffered Suffered. we've grown up in such a privileged era we it's translated into a lot of people being extremely selfish and I think that right now during this pandemic even the people who think that they're helping are actually being incredibly selfish Mm -hmm. yeah and so I think that we don't even have a concept of like what it means to be a neighbor to like care for your fellow citizen Mm -hmm. ironically like lack of suffering up until this point has resulted in fabricated suffering because like we have so much time on our hands 100 percent. i can see the quote card now yeah no that's so true How does the Great Depression setting of the Four Winds compare to America during the pandemic? What lessons of resilience and healing might be embedded in this story? How might other struggles inspire us? I I got, we also got some questions like this from the redheads, like being in the COVID, like it's the Great Depression, like, I think that's such an insult to the depression. depression. Times are so hard right now. And I know there's varying levels of what people are struggling with. And at the very least, it's like not being able to see your family or your friends or have a hug. Um, And at the most, it's losing your job, losing your home. And so losing a loved one, losing Losing a loved one, there's this huge scale of grief going on right now. But after reading this book, I just don't think they're comparable i I couldn't agree more it's i don't want to downplay the pandemic because Mm -hmm. like it is extremely serious and severe but when reading this book i actually felt grateful that like this was the tragedy i was given as Mm -hmm. opposed to cotton picking every single day in a drought with no money and like supporting a family like to me the great depression was scarier and that's controversial so many people right now who feel so hopeless and lost and 
don't have a job and don't have a path forward to get employment and everyone is like trying to get support from the government and cannot get through like I do I very much see some parallels I think it's a varying degrees for sure but I don't want to discredit what's happening right I now I see the parallels I do but I when I was reading it I was just like you said Dana like grateful for yeah. so many of the luxuries that we still have. And us as a group of four are also very privileged in the mm-hmm. fact that like we probably have no idea what like most people in America are going through in terms of this pandemic. But I wholeheartedly agree that like my personal reaction was anxiety that like we're going to have to endure something much, much worse <laughs> akin the, to the yeah. Great Depression and just like gratitude that it isn't as bad as I might have experienced in this time period. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's get into the redhead questions. First up, this was one of the saddest books I've read in a while. Each page I kept waiting for the luck of the Martinelli family to change. One thing I really thought was going to happen was Rafe reappearing in their lives. Why do you think Kristen Hanna chose not to have him reappear? I was hoping in the epilogue, Loretta was going to mention him getting in touch with her somehow and bring some kind of closure to that relationship. What do you think happened to Rafe? Why did we not get I closure? Just, I'm glad that we didn't see him. Sorry, Snitch. I just don't think that they wanted to like give him like that sort of power, like a savior sort of complex. Yes, exactly. Which I understand. I didn't need him to be a savior by any means. Like, tell me that he's dead. I don't care. I just like needed to know what happened there because he just like he was such a big part of the book in the beginning then he like left and we like actually never heard from him again and we just like kept hearing Loretta talk about him or think about him and like I would have liked to know like where he ended up even if it didn't I didn't need a happy ending there I didn't want a happy ending there I just wanted to know like was it worth it also a testament to like women's strength and Elsa being able to like carry on and move her family like do what needed to be done to keep her family alive and as well as could be in the conditions and for him to reappear could have derailed all of the progress made by this female protagonist yeah or it could have reinforced it if she was able to be like standing up for herself and telling him to go fuck himself I just wanted like a one-liner in the epilogue I just like did not like him as a character and never needed to see or hear from him again and I think that him leaving like fortified everyone else's strength of character and so if he were to come back when all the work has been done and everyone survived and it's like, where were you? Yeah. You don't get us at our best when you weren't not with everyone. us at it our worst. Not everyone would have diluted. You don't get us at our best when you weren't with us at our worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it would have diluted survived. like the overall message that we, like when we ended the book, I felt like we all walked away with like, wow. Yeah. And if he like showed up, I would have been like less well. Yeah. How do you feel about them killing off Elsa at the end? Spoiler alert. I thought it was quite unnecessary after making it all the way through the rest of the book. I agree. I agree. And it's like on the one hand, it's like, okay, sure, there there has to there can't be a happy ending, but there was no happiness at all. Like give us this one small consolation of the family being together and maybe yeah. her and Jack like and then being Having a happy together. family. And it's like, okay, they're still not, you know, in the land of milk and honey and yeah. owning like acres of farms in California, but like they have love. And I think it, it could have been that too like does something brave once (laughs) i don't know it'd be different if the entire (laughs) oh my god God. (laughs) she exhibited bravery the entire time in smaller quieter ways yeah but if she was like a codename helene where she was this like constant champion of dangerous situations and died at the end i think i'd feel more satisfaction than like i understand what you're saying stood up with a podium and she got shot yes come on no no no. (laughs) wholeheartedly agree but what i thought was interesting was that after she got shot and they were in the hospital and the doctor was like your heart's not strong enough and it was like really we're going back to that narrative yeah we're going back to that like after everything she's been through i totally agree like she literally has been through some of the most physically exerting circumstances of all time like her heart is strong as fuck Yes, agree. Like physically, the muscle of heart. They had to give her parents. I forgot about that. The doctor bringing that up, and I was like, "Wow, this detail has made sense." Like, I I don't think it was irrelevant. Like, you know, sometimes you read something and you're like, "What was the point of that?" I don't think it was one of those, but it was a bizarre little factoid that like kept following us around. Mm -hmm. Mm Do you think you could have withstood the horrible life Elsa had? It totally made me rethink the little things I buy every day and don't even think about, like my fancy coffee, books on my Kindle, etc. No, I mean, it's it's like Dana said, like we it, we complain so much and we we are so privileged and we have it so well. I can't even fathom, you know. But you also find out who you are in, That's in true. those moments. I would be a not brave person. <laughs> I would stay in Texas and get like dust pneumonia and just never leave. Yeah. 
but that's brave too. Like you have no choice actually in a situation like that, but to be strong, you know? Yeah. There's literally no other option. Next question. I have a question for you gals to discuss where this book falls among other Kristen Hanna books you've read. Was it on par with her other books you read by her? Was it the best book you read by her? No. Bex, you go first because I think you've read the most. It and everyone share which Kristen Hannah books you've read. I think I've only read two, The Great Alone and The Nightingale, and this was my third favorite. The Nightingale was my favorite, and The Great, the Great Alone was phenomenal, and this, was, this is not ranked that high. Hmm. Dana? I likewise read those two books, um, and this one that we just read, The Four Winds, was by far the worst. It's not a testament to this book being bad. It's a testament to the other two being absolutely incredible. Okay, I have to read The Great Alone, but I need a break from Chris and Hannah because this Mm -hmm. month I read this book and Firefly Lane, and I've also read The Nightingale, which was amazing. This book really reminded me so much of Firefly Lane plus a little bit of Nightingale, but it's just like Chris and Hannah's, like the way she writes about relationships between women, and it's like Firefly Lane literally could not be more different from this book it's like about the 80s and like it's poppin it's about friendship friends who are very happy in their lives Mm -hmm. and they just were so so similar to me snitch yeah the only other Kristen Hanna book I've read is Night Road and that was just like much much different like that was like my kind of vibe of like boy meets girl except like it was much deeper than that and like there was a lot of twists and turns it was kind of crazy however that was so much better than this book yeah between Loretta and Elsa, who do you think had showed the biggest character development? Loretta. I don't know. Like, uh, Loretta came around to being, like, appreciative of her mom finally. But that's also, like, you know, the teen years shedding themselves. Like, Elsa, from the beginning of the book, from the girl in her room, like, for sure. to yeah. dying for a cause that she believed in, like, she is an ama- she was an amazing character to read about. Yeah. That's fair. She yeah. went from being someone in her room who just kind of resigned herself to never getting married, living with her parents forever, to being a wife and being a mother and cooking and cleaning and, like, contributing to her family and then, like, being a single mother and dying for a cause. Also, I was so impressed, even before they went out west, by her work ethic. Yeah. Like, never complaining, never questioning, like, every day doing exactly what she needed to do for her family to live the best life that they possibly could. And I think that is so commendable. And remember when she got to the Martinelli's house, she only had, like, a fancy dress. She had no idea what she slept in the first day that she got there. Yeah. She had no idea how to even contribute at the bare minimum. And then, like, all of a sudden, boom, 180. Yeah. And I didn't always find Loretta's like drive to protest as brave. I saw it a lot as reckless almost. And that to me didn't mean she had more character development than Elsa. Like Elsa's hesitation towards joining those meetings was actually a sign of more strength. Yeah. Next reader. I love this book, but I'm having some issues with the character of Jack. My question to you is, what were your opinions of Jack during character introduction compared to your feelings about him at the end? Do you think he sent Elsa to the cabin on the farm knowing that he could convince her through Loretta and experiencing the injustices on that farm to be a part of his plan? I hadn't thought of it before this question. Oh, interesting. She says, I can't help but feel like he preyed on her family and is a dirty man because of it. Would love to hear your opinions on this. Oh, I mean, I never thought that, but now that you say that, like, I can totally see that perspective I just don't want to think it okay yeah here's my thought they lived in this cabin and they had a floor and a ceiling and electricity and it was so different than the camp that they were living in like um, it was a displaced persons camp and yes they were living on credit which was a horrible kind of system to go down but I was like just leave when you're ready to leave and just don't pay your credit. And like now you have I this know. house. I, I agree. I was like, why is this so stressful? You have like a... Yeah, I was like, just live your life. Get all the flour you want. And like, then you because bounce. Because Elsa's an honest woman. Like I she know, didn't even want to take a, a legal loan from the mm-hmm. government, like let alone steal. I saw Jack almost less as like... I saw him just kind of as a vehicle for her to rediscover love and to see herself as someone who could be lovable. Of course, the like politics came into play with him wanting to protest, but more than that, I thought it was most important how like she finally met a man who appreciated her for her. Yeah, Yeah, and like showed her what it felt like to be loved in that way. I would have loved to see them become a family. Like that day that they had at that park when it was like the best day ever and she was swimming and I was just like... I was just so in it and I was like... 
every day could be like this with Jack. Oh, and when she died and she was like, what we could have been, Jack. But like, why did she have to die? Like, it just (laughs) is really bothering me. And then, of course, like after she dies, Loretta like steals all the money and they go back to Texas. But like, why couldn't they do that when she was alive? Literally. (laughs) You know, but it's desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, the whole thing was desperate times. It's true, but times got more desperate. That's true. They did. Despite loving this book, I did start to feel the long stretches of despair monotonous, if not suffocating. I couldn't help but think, damn, can't you catch a break? Do you think that this was a conscious choice by Kristen Hanna to evoke empathy for the enduring tragedy that was the Dust Bowl slash migrant experience? Or did I miss the point? I think that she was trying to show that like nobody caught a break. Like, yeah. This was this there was is like no, there, there is no break to be caught. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like we kind of talked about that in the beginning when we were describing our thoughts and feelings about the book, where it's like, which was it? We're supposed to feel like one fraction yeah. iota of what they felt. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the book had a more satisfying ending the way it did with Elsa dying and Loretta finally understanding her strife, determination, and love, or do you think it could have just had as it could have had as poignant of an ending if they moved on after the strike with Elsa, Jack, and her children living happily. Would have had as much. Yeah. 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 Because I think Loretta looking up and seeing Elsa taking a stand and being the point person, she was like, oh my God, this woman's amazing. And then she gets shot and like then they lose her, which was so sad. So I think like the the meaning was coming across no matter what. We just ended up losing someone. Yeah. I thought someone was going to die and I thought it was going to be Loretta. I did not think it was going to be Elsa. Oh, oh I, I didn't think someone was going to die. I, I was thought like, someone I was, was definitely going to die. I always think someone's going to die when things are too good to be true. Right. But they were too bad to be right. true. So I was like, yeah. it can't get worse. I didn't even I, occur to me. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like so ominous. Like they were like getting ready to go towards the cotton fields. Like things were getting dicey with like the police brutality and the, the batons and this and that. And I was like, things are going awry. For yeah, sure. for sure. Okay. Well, those are all the questions. I feel like we really tackled the meat of this book. There's so much to talk about. We could talk about it forever. But I want to know what you guys think is the moral of the story. Have courage and be kind. Wow, Snitch. Beautiful. Thank you. Hard times pass, relationships stay. Yeah. I feel love, like they repeated that 1,000 Yeah, times. love remains, love <laughs> yeah, remains. Yeah, love remains. Bex? The rain is going to come. Yeah. Oh. Hope I, is like a really thing. When it rains, it pours. That too. When but I feel like the like the one that I said is like more like a testament to hope. Yeah, no, no. I was kind of, I was just kind of being No, annoyed. no, you were serious. Yeah, so, I kidding. think for me the moral is love remains, you know, Back which is what they said. What? By Christina Aguilera. Yes. But I don't know. It's not one of those. Since there was no happy ending, there's no like, this too shall pass. Like, no, it's going to take fucking years and then it'll pass. You know? Yes. Okay. I want to get into our Kindle highlight section. If everyone could just share a quote or something that stood out to them that made them feel a certain type of way. I didn't have any quotes because I just like couldn't even think about things that were affecting me because I just wanted the book to be over. Understood. And I think that that's an interesting factoid. Thanks for thinking it's interesting. Um, I'll share something that stood out to me. Here's the quote. Elsa smiled, thinking again of her grandfather. It had taken decades, but she finally knew what he'd meant by the things he'd told her. It wasn't the fear that mattered in life. It was the choices you made when you were afraid. You were brave because of your fear, not in spite of it. So I really like that idea. I've never thought of like courage as not the absence of fear, but like the, like the ignoring of fear. Yeah. It's like doing everything, even though you are scared, not because you're not scared. So I really just liked thinking of courage in that way. Yeah, that's a really good point. Bex? Um, I just had a few quotes that stood out to me. Like, I, I talked about this one earlier. Get to, work men, get to work men, wealthy yelled, as if there were only men here. And I felt like that was a testament to the fact that women were just, like, overlooked. largely overlooked, despite them being, like, the lifeline of every Family. moment of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then time, hers had gone too fast. She had only discovered who she was. And I felt like that was just a testament to Elsa's strength. And it also just made, I don't know, struck a chord. Because I was like, damn, girl. Like, you had such a, you were in your head so much during your entire life. And you finally broke free. And and then you got shot. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't highlight a quote. But one passage that randomly stuck with me was when um, Elsa saw Rafe at the fair. Like, at the 
town gathering and they made eye contact and his immediate reaction was to look at Gia next to him who he was supposed to marry. I don't know why that struck it stuck with me, but it was just like such a real moment where you see someone you hooked up with you weren't supposed to and you look immediately down at the person you're with and it's just like kind of a cowardly reaction. Yeah, and no, it, it's like Dust Bowl era teens. They're just like us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of like painted the picture of how he was going to be for the rest of his life, a coward. Whoa. Whoa, Whoa. nice. Now you drove that one home. Yeah, Except then he did follow home. her out. But <laughs> before that. I know. I was, yeah. It's funny because earlier in the book when we were talking about whether or not we liked Rafe, I was like, well, I sort of liked when he did follow her out and like apologized. Yeah. yeah. Once again, bar is solo. Yeah. Solo. Okay, let's get into the Hollywood treatment before we wrap up. We will be casting Elsa, Loretta, and Ant. And I do think this is something that could be made into a movie or a show. Chris and Hannah's stuff gets made all the time, so you never know. So here are our suggestions for who should play them. For Elsa, I had Nicole Kidman. Oh, I see that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know who I envisioned her as, but I just think acting-wise, Nicole Kidman's perfect. But looks-wise, I really was like seeing Judy Greer. The friend from 13 going on 30. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> um, I had Uma Thurman. Ooh. Okay. Who is the clear winner? <laughs> Help me pronounce this. Saraisi Ronan. Sersha. Sersha Ronan. <laughs> She's a little young, but but she is the vibe. Yeah. Yes. She's the vibe. I could see her being like Loretta. Yeah. A little old. But the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, mine was Lily Cole. If you look her up, you'll know exactly who she is. And I'm pretty sure that she is like the woman to play the role. Um, and honestly, I don't know who she is and what she's from. I just looked up on Google unconventionally pretty um, actresses and she was the first hit. Okay, cool. Yeah. My choice for Loretta was Mackenzie Foy from Twilight and oh. the Nutcracker. I think she she was like super tall and super and very thin and beautiful. And I think she would really play Nicole Kidman's daughter very well. Also, she has the dark hair. I think it's a great choice. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Um, my Loretta was Natalia Dyer. The she was in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. She's just pretty thin and beautiful and. I don't know. I felt like she like had the right vibe. Understand yeah. that. I had Florence Pug. Okay. Another like Little her. Women cast member. <laughs> so you're just <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going up Little Women because I was like it was dusty there. It's better than when you do the whole Big Little Lies cast. So it's, that's good. <laughs> I had Matilda. Oh, I love her. I, the, like the Matilda. Yeah. You know? From like the '90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. that is who I was envisioning. As, that's a great one, as, honestly. Um, Loretta. Okay. Cool. Like, who did you have for Ant? I had Jacob Tremblay, my fave. Oh my Same. god, you imagined, Im- imagined him that that cute? Well, I no. When I was thinking later of who's like a young actor, Jacob Tremblay. But when I was imagining him, he was just you know another camper running around. Yeah, honestly. he's not like a he wasn't a celebrity a, that I can put yeah. name to it. All right, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to Jacob Tremblay, Tremblay too. Okay, Dana. He's the only child actor ma- male I know. I had Finn Wolfhard. He's Stranger from Things. Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Oh, yeah. See? Okay. Cool. It's or who's that guy from Stranger Things who has the Verizon commercial? Guys, come on. Yeah, I know. You know, Gatan or something. Something. He would have been good too. He was my backup because okay. I felt like maybe he was like more Italian looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Okay, now it is time for our overall Redheads rating of The Four Winds by Krista ha- Kristen Hanna. Bex, what would you rate this book? I am rating this book a 3.7. Okay. Dana? 3.5. Okay. 3.5. Wow, Whoa. that's, that's high. high. That's yeah. high. Because, guys, I didn't now like you. Feel bad. I gave, like, Addie LaRue a 3.5 probably. <laughs> okay, but, like, I didn't like this book, but I can still say it was, like, a good book from other people who enjoy this kind of book's perspective. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you yes. can appreciate it. I can good. appreciate it, and I can appreciate the writing and the storytelling. I just, like, didn't like the story. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I think that's fair. Should I give it a lower one? Uh, no, no. Okay. I mean, you gave it what you gave it, and I think that's great. I gave it a four because I go in whole numbers and I think it was a great book. It wasn't a five because it like just wasn't like something that I was so obsessed with. I want to read it a million times, but it was a deeply good book. So that makes our overall Redheads rating for the four wins a 3.675. Honestly, I I feel like that that is fair. That is fair. You guys, a Becky's Joyce choice wasn't a total blunder. No, not at all. (laughs) I liked it. This was the best Becky's choice, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, now I want to hear about the other books that everyone read this month. I actually had a pretty good month for reading. Dina, do you want to start? Sure. I actually only had two this month. Um, the first was... Everything d- okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I was slow. The first was Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. I gave it a 4.3. Very good. It was sci-fi, which I don't usually read, but I was thoroughly enthralled. Um, the second was One Day by David Nichols. I gave it a 4.2. Very, very good. Nice. Snitch, did you read anything this month? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I read a few books. I read The Mother-in-Law, which was a Dana suggestion. And um, I don't know what was like going on in my head, but I just like could not get into it like mentally. I was just so elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I gave it a three. And even when I think back on it, I'm like, what happened? There was a mother-in-law. I still don't really remember what happened when I think back now, but I remember like enjoying it enough to recommend it. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I would probably recommend it to someone else. (laughs) I just like wasn't there. Sorry. Then I read Firefly Lane because of the show and I wanted to watch the show and the book was really good. It was a little too dragged out. It's also by Kristen Hanna and I gave it a four because it was good but like not something like I wasn't obsessed with the characters. In fact, I hated the character of Tully and I won't watch the show because like apparently she gets a favorable edit and I just like don't want to see her in any good light. Interesting. Then I read a book called Every Last Secret by A.R. Tori, and it's like kind of like a thriller. I want to say like Gone Girl Light and I loved it. I just recommended it to Claudia I think she like finished it in a day and it's just a really good like thriller fabulous novel I gave that a four also wow I've really been feeling like that vibe of books like not the craziest thriller but something where it's like there's a twist at the end and there's like what's gonna happen there's did you read girl on the train no oh my god you have to read girl on the train really should I read that yes is it spooky spooky I don't like spooky though it's not spooky it's like am I gonna be like if I hear a creak I'm gonna be like oh no Okay. You should also read Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series by Stieg Larsson. Okay. Oh, my God. Incredible series. Like, I would reread really? that 100%. And, and they're different um, they're different series, Girl on the Train and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, isn't that and weird? Girl with no job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they stole it from Claudia, obviously. 100%. <laughs> um, are you going to ask me if I read another yes, book? Yes, Bex, what did you read? Because <laughs> I surprisingly did. Woo! I read No One Asked for This by Cassie David. Oh, right. We were, oh my God, we all took a trip. Um, That's where Dana recommended Mother-in-Law, but you were reading that book and you were laughing so hard. It was so funny. Dana, of course, recommended it. And it's a book of essays, which I also didn't realize. I thought it was going to be a memoir, but really just a compilation of essays that she wrote. And they were all very astute and like I could have totally pictured myself in all of her scenarios so it was very relatable um I do think that like Cassie David is incredibly privileged and sometimes like she didn't check herself when she needed to Mm. and for that reason like I just think that we can all be a touch more self-aware but (laughs) in other ways she's extremely self-aware and it was really good and I rated it a 3.5 out of 5 nice so funny I don't know if you would love it or hate it Jackie I definitely want to read it because anything that makes someone like laugh out loud I'm genuinely interested in so I'll have to um, I almost brought it to give back to David tonight and I was like I was like should give it to Jackie yeah oh you should have taken next time also I'm reading this book um so I went to a Barnes and Noble over with your mother-in-law when you saw mother-in-law I went to Barnes and Noble with my mother-in-law and she we were looking at books and she was like the mother-in-law and I'm like I literally just finished that yesterday (laughs) that's so funny it was really funny but so I I had to buy some books even though I love the Kindle so I that's where I got Firefly Lane but I also got this book called the address book it's like it's the subtitle is what street addresses reveal about identity race wealth and power by Deirdre Mask and so it's all about like your street address and like the names of streets and why some people like are live on this street and like why some people don't even have addresses like all over the world it's also about like the U.S. the international postal system like how mail it's the second oldest like international organization in the world and so I've been leaving this book by my bed it's like my in-between book like when I'm not ready to start a new book but I want to read before bed so I probably won't finish it for a while but it's fascinating wow that's funny that you're reading it after Firefly Lane Oh, yeah, no, literally, I took a picture of the books I bought from Barnes & Noble, and it's like a street name yes. and a book about street names. That's weird. That's so Isn't funny. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that, so That's such a great thing to have as an in-between book uh-huh. that you can just kind It's of, not plot-driven. It's just like facts, and yeah. I'm just finding it so interesting, and that's exactly what I've been looking for, except that since it's not on my Kindle, like if Zach's falling asleep, I have to like read with the light on, and like... I don't know what I did before. I mean, I didn't read before Kindle, but what I would have done because it's yeah. so annoying. When I was reading Firefly Lane, it was like we had to like coordinate 
and I had to stop reading. And I was like, but I'm not done. Well, I remember when we were in Vermont, we, I was about to read Cassie David's book, which was a hard copy before bed. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not reading before bed because I can't have the light on. Yeah, it's crazy. So just another reason why the Kindle is everything of the sort. Okay, well, that's all she wrote. Thank you guys so much. For- oh, shit. Dana's Choice. Oh, oh my God. I oh almost God. ended it without hearing what I- Imagine if I gave you guys the month off. I just said. Fuck <laughs> it. We'll skip this one. Okay. But no, Dana, what are we reading next month? We are reading Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Baby is part of the title. I wasn't calling you guys baby. Okay, cool. So Detransition Baby. <laughs> it's a sassy title. It is. It explores... Um, the world of sexuality and transgenders and it's quite a divergence from I think our usual books which I'm excited about to kind of take a different path and I really like don't know anything about it beyond that it's a new book and has some hype so hopefully I am not steering you guys wrong I'm well sh- you actually always steer us right so I'm really looking forward Same. to your next choice and yeah it sounds fabulous it's a little literary snitch what does that mean? It's like not very plot driven. It's like in the language and the characters. But <laughs> I have high hopes you'll like it. Like it's like really well written and shit. Okay, but well, like take that out of it. You always like what Dana chooses. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Addie LaRue. Well, honestly, I always hate it. And then I like it. <laughs> right. And then you see My Dark Vanessa. Yeah. Oh. Right. So in, Dan- like in Dana, we trust. Thank you guys again you for all. another wonderful episode of the Redheads. Thank you to the Redheads for one, for always being a part of the club and also for purchasing your merch. By now, everyone should be getting their merch and I'm so glad everyone is loving it. I've been living in mine and I'm just so excited for the future of the Redheads. We're one year down. Hey. And it's been a great year. Wow. We've got, we've got so much more greatness coming at you. So we will see you next month. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Bye.